Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Welcome to Jesus 911. I'm your host today, Paul Clay, and we will be joined shortly by Jess Romero, who's out there in New Mexico. Jesse's out there. Uh, as usual, he's doing the Lord's work. Well, I hope everybody is, uh, you know, as, as we enter into this first week of Lent, I hope everybody's taking advantage of this time to draw close to the Lord. Uh, it's a solemn time, but at the same time, uh, it prepares us for the, the greatest day in, uh, on the Christian calendar. And that's the day that we celebrate uh, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Today, um, we're going to, in this first half, we're going to play a clip, and the, the title of the clip is Freemasonry and Women's Fashion. Now, that sounds kind of odd, but uh, I think you'll enjoy the clip, but I, I'll just tell you this, before, we, before I ask the engineer to play the clip, uh, you're going to say, how in the world are these things related? But in 2 Thessalonians, uh, the Bible talks about, uh, you know, uh, there, there are Bible scholars that have differing views over the identity of who the restrainer is. Uh, we believe that the restrainer is the Holy Spirit working through the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. But uh, let me just read the, the beginning portion of Second uh, Thessalonians chapter two. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our assembling to meet him, we beg you brethren, not to be quickly shaken in mind or excited either by spirit or by word or by letter purporting to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one be in any way. That day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself as God. Uh, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you this and you know what is restraining him? Now, so that he may be revealed in his time, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he, until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, and the Lord Jesus Christ will slay him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by his appearing. And so this, this, this lawless one that's going to be coming uh you know as you're going to see when we play this video and you're going to say well how is this related women's fashion and freemasonry well the church i'm going to propose that the church has been under attack for a very long time and this is going to be um uh, you're going to hear that uh, many popes have spoke on these things and this is satan has been systematically attacking the human race 
and the very uh, God gave the church to us for our salvation. And so um, I'm going to ask the engineer to play the clip. We'll talk about it more and you'll see how I'm going to, in my mind, I'm going to bring all this together. So uh, Richard, if you would play the clip for us. Since the decree of Pope Clement XII in 1738, Catholics have been forbidden to join the Masons and until 1983, under pain of excommunication. Scanning official documents, the Church has condemned Freemasonry and other secret societies at least 53 times in 1738 and has specifically repeated the condemnation of Freemasonry 21 times. Pope Leo XIII called Freemasonry an enemy of God church and country. In his encyclical Custodi di Quella Fede on Freemasonry in 1892. In 1917, St. Maximilian Kolb personally witnessed Freemasons celebrate their bicentennial in St. Peter's Square. Boldly, they marched right up to the doors of St. Peter's, displaying their banners which read, Satan must reign in the Vatican. The Pope will be his slave. In the past, Freemasons have called for the fall of women and the rise of immodesty in dress as a strategy to further corrupt the Catholic Church. The Alta Vendita was a document originally published in Italian by Italian Carbonari Freemasons that articulated the infiltration plan of the Catholic Church. Pope Pius IX and Pope Leo XIII both heartily gave permission for these documents to be published. In this document, the Freemasons write, Let us then never cease to corrupt. Tertullian was right in saying that the blood of martyrs was the seed of Christians. It is corruption in mass that we have undertaken, the corruption of the people by the clergy and the corruption of the clergy by ourselves. In order to destroy Catholicism, it is necessary to commence by suppressing woman. The words are true in a sense. But since we cannot suppress woman, let us corrupt her with the church. The corruption of the best is the worst of all. The following is a resolution taken during a Masonic Congress held in Switzerland in 1928. Religion does not fear the dagger's point, but it can vanish under corruption. Let us not grow tired of corruption. We may use a pretext such as sport, hygiene, health resorts. It is necessary to corrupt that our boys and girls practice nudism in dress. To avoid too much reaction, one would have to progress in a methodical manner. First undress up to the elbow, then up to the knees, then arms and legs completely uncovered. Later, the upper part of the chest, the shoulders, etc., etc. Then everything else, eventually, people will walk around naked or almost naked without batting an eye. And when modesty is removed, the sense of the sacred will be extinguished. Morality will weaken and faith will die of suffocation. Remember St. Jacinta Marto's words in 1917, echoing Our Lady's warnings at Fatima, the sins that bring most souls to hell are the sins of the flesh. Certain fashions are going to be introduced that will offend our Lord very much. Do not give yourselves to a modest clothes. The Bishop of Limerick, Dennis Hallinam, writes in a letter to the press, I have seen it stated on what I conceive to be reliable authority that the principal designers of these modern fashions in women's dress are 
men, not women, and furthermore, that they are generally Parisian Jews or Freemasons who are bitterly opposed to Christianity and seek, among other means, to uproot it by the introduction into Christian society of these dangerous and indecent dresses. Pope Pius XI repeats this same warning in 1930 in his encyclical Ad Salutum, where he states that Christian women can never be at too great pains to abolish immodest fashions of dress. In contrast to the Freemasons' obsession with corruption and in support of the Church's view on purity and modesty, the great Catholic philosopher Alice von Hildebrand writes, the French have a wonderful word to capture the veiling of one's intimate feelings out of a proper sense of a shame, pudor, holy bashfulness, so to speak. In the same vein, Pope Pius XII explained in his allocution to the women of Catholic action in 1941, that impulse of shame, which in its spontaneous modesty is the gentle brother of religious sentiment, is not generally respected today, but you must take care to prevent its loss through erroneous fashions in dress and clothing, which are common but not sufficiently decorous, and you must make it, on the other hand, more delicate and vigilant, more sincere and genuine. Pope Pius XI went even further in 1935, stating that Modesty and shame are two protectors of chastity. The use of a cult of nudity is a blasphemy. Wow. <laughs> you just, you've been listening to a video that talks about the fact that immodesty was introduced uh, into, into the West by the Freemasons. These secret societies seem to have, uh, they've infiltrated the church and society, and uh, everything that they promote, Paul, goes against what God has taught that's yes. good, beautiful, and true. Yes. And this is why Our Lady of Fatima even warned us back in, in uh, 1917 that uh, many people will go to hell because of the Sixth and Ninth Commandment, the sins of the flesh. Our Lady of Fatima told us that's the reason why many people will go to hell. And this is, an, yes. this is one way, Paul, that the devil att attacks us. That's why our Lord told Jesus Christ told us to take custody of our eyes. You know, mm. he says, if, if your eye causes you sin and pluck it out. It. But by the same token, Paul, women also have, uh, they have a lot to do with this. And, and, uh, and it, you know, St. Paul talks about in first Corinthians chapter eight, do not become a stumbling block to the brethren. A lot of women know what they're doing. And they dress specifically, Paul. They are stumbling blocks to the brethren. So it's not just men's fault. It's also women's fault, this whole immodesty culture. What say you? Yeah, listen, um, I don't know how much you heard at the beginning, but I was talking about, uh, I was reading in Second Thessalonians where the Lord, you wonder how in the world is this tied to this? The Lord lifting the restrainer, you know, so eventually that the man of lawlessness would would appear on the scene well you know number one you know this video shows you how just the temporal and the uh, eternal are uh, you know they just they do this dance and they're, they're intertwined yes. how, you know these, 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 these temporal things now Back to Jesus 911.
If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911. We just watched a video called Freemasonry and Women's of Modest Fashion. Uh, the Freemasons are a secret society. They're the largest worldwide secret society. They take oaths. Uh, they're bound to each other by uh, they, they have devo- they have a devoted fellowship of men. Uh, they have uh, a lot of discipline in terms of following their practices. They have concealed rituals, concealed handshakes, concealed customs. Their activities are are, are secret. They're kept from the public in many instances. They were spread by the Protestants. They come from the British Empire. They're still popular today. Uh, there's probably around two to six million uh, Freemasons around the world. We don't know who they are by and large because they're a secret society, but they, they're the ones that introduced immodesty into women's fashions. Paul, you were talking about the restrainer being the Catholic Church. Can you continue on that vein? Yeah. So, just as you know, Jesus came into the world and he said he came to destroy the works of the devil. So Jesus is... Is, is is God the you know God incarnate the Word of God made flesh and He is the hammer the one that will the the one that will deal the death blow uh, to the devil you know yes. you know uh, and so you know understanding that the Catholic Church then is the mystical body of Christ and that who has been given the authority of Christ and Christ is uh, empowered the church, as you know, uh, yeah. you shall receive power and the Holy Ghost, right? Uh, yes. uh, this dunamis power that the church is equipped with. So the video brings out how they're going to get rid of immodesty and so forth so that we can lose a sense of the sacred. Yes. You see, you see, so as the Catholic church then is, it's almost like the, uh, you know, like the Balaam, the prophet Balaam in the Old Testament, when, uh, you know, they wanted him to prophesy against Israel. He said, I can't do that, but I can tell you how to beat them, you know, and how to beat them is to get them to compromise on, uh, on their holiness, on the things that God, God called them to be separate. God called them to holiness. And yet, if he could corrupt them in some type of way, they could be defeated. And so I'm seeing this whole thing play out, Jess, that, um, um, you know, as you can see, you know, by listening to this video, um, these people are organized. Uh, uh, You talked about the Freemasons being, you know, know, it's a group of men, but women are also involved in this, as you know, Um, different groups, Job's Daughters and uh, the Eastern Star. There's all kinds of different women's uh, groups out there within Freemasonry. But the whole goal is to attack the Catholic Church, which once again, underscore highlight why the Catholic Church. You tell me why the Catholic Church, yes? <laughs> well, because the Catholic Church gave us Western civilization. What is Western civilization? Everything that we enjoy, colleges, uh, you know, hospitals, uh, orphanages, uh, government, structure, law, order, uh, medicine, everything, uh, you know, uh, feast days. Everything good about America comes from the Catholic Church. Why? Because the Catholic Church took the great minds of Athens, the orators, the, uh, the philosophy of, of Athens, Greece. The Catholic Church took the great minds of Jerusalem, the, the prophets, the ancients. The Catholic Church took the great 
uh, attributes of Rome, like structure, law, and order. The Catholic Church put those three cities together, and that's called Western civilization. Western civilization is ordered, it's patriarchal, it has structure, and it's pyramidal. God is the very apex. This is what must be destroyed by the Freemasons, by the globalists, and by the New World Order, Paul. They want a new world order because they want to destroy the old world order given to us by Roman Catholic Christianity called Western civilization. Yeah. Hey, let me just, and I'm jumping all over the map, but hey, just bear with me. But, you know, in the beginning, Jess, I think, uh, I, like I said, I talked about, you know, Second uh, Thessalonians chapter two. But um, let me just say this. Uh, Paul doesn't specifically identify what or who the restraining force is. Uh, since the Thessalonians, according to uh, the text, they already knew. He had already told them in a previous conversation. Mm -hmm. But what I believe and uh, that the restrainer is none other than the Holy Spirit working through the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. So to target the Catholic church then is, it, 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 you know, it, it, again, it's church militant, right? This is a battle. We're in hand-to-hand yes. -hand combat. Right. Yes. And if he can corrupt the church under the, the, the same um, uh, uh, spirit as the prophet Balaam, when, um, you know, uh, uh, this idea that I'm going to corrupt the and when that happens, then we can defeat him. Uh, as the Catholic Church slips more and more and more and more into uh, uh, conforming to the image of this world, yes, rather than conforming uh, to the image of Christ, like sacred scripture has called us to do. Right. And we, can, we, we talk about it on a lot of shows, all, all the different areas. And, very, you know, it seems like the, the, the holy priests now are being persecuted by by those who uh, by the unholy. Uh, yeah. Sacred scripture tells us again, good will be called evil and evil will be called good. We're in the midst of that right now. And I believe that this is all connected and we can we can see it. And this plan is simply to corrupt the church. Amen. Um, well, I well, I will say before we go on to the next topic in terms of modesty, everybody has to put their part in. The Bible's yep. very clear. The ninth commandment, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, Exodus 20, 17. Again, yep. you got to take custody of your eyes. Jesus warns us in Matthew chapter 5, 28. Everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in her heart. And so as Catholics, men and women, we have to practice custody of the eyes and custody of the intellect as well. Custody of the mind, because we can't walk around society with our eyes closed. <laughs> you know, you're going to be bumping into walls. You got to drive your car. So it's more important as taking custody of the of the mind as well, uh, you know, putting on the mind of Christ. Also, I would say that another another point which is important is that women, again, uh, being made beautiful, uh, and and God made us so that we're attracted to each other. Women also cannot be provoking men by the way they dress. Saint Paul talks about that in Galatians five twenty six about watching. Uh, the, the provocation of one another, provoking one another. And this is why the genius of the Catholic Church, Paul, one of the things that the Catholic Church has done since time immemorial, especially pre-1965, there was really an emphasis on women 
covering up when they went to mass and wearing a veil. One of the things that we know from sacred scripture is that in the Old Testament, everything that's holy is veiled. Everything. And so I tell women, you are holy. You are life bearers. Even if you're postpartum, the fact is you were made in such a way to give human life. Your body was constructed in such a way. And so you're holy just in the way God made you. Just, Just inherently. Because your life bears, the the female body bears human life. They're like a tabernacle uh, where, where the tabernacle bears the life of God in the Holy Eucharist. And so this is why that's the theology of the Jews and the early Catholics, especially pre-1965, as to why a woman is supposed to be covered and wear a veil is because she's set apart because she's holy. Like all the things in the Old Testament that were holy were covered with a veil. Oh, yeah. Excellent, Jess. That's that's some great commentary on that, and it is it is God's truth. And uh, again, we just the, the problem is you talk about pre nineteen sixty five. The problem is, and this attack has been going on for pretty much, I mean, the entire history of the church. But in specific, after the French Revolution, things started really getting bad, and these groups started becoming organized, and they began to attack. Uh, the church. So um, again, uh, I like, the, uh, you know, just holiness, the pursuit of holiness. Yes. This is what God has called us to do. And anytime, and, and by the way, now think about what the Catholic church stands for and what the Catholic understanding of the gospel is, is essentially we teach that God pours his life in us and and actually makes us holy. Whereas, you know, in Protestantism, they are simply declared righteous, never becoming righteous. And that is such a defeatist attitude that, you know, essentially, um, uh, 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 again, it, it's, that it's breeds, modernism. That, that breeds lethargy. It's, it breeds spiritual sloth because if I'm already saved and I, I don't have to uh, enter in, into this saving work of Christ through an act of my will, as Paul says, work out your salvation if you're trembling, then you you enter into spiritual sloth, and now the commandments don't be don't become mandates, they become options. I shouldn't commit adultery. I shouldn't masturbate, <laughs> but if right. I do, I'm already saved. I'm already saved, right. And uh Forget about the words where Paul says, I die daily. You know, forget about Jesus when he says, strive to enter through the narrow gate, you know. if any And if any man wishes to pit, for many will try, but will not be able, you know. Um, you see, essentially, we're, we're, we're talking about two different religions here. And, uh, uh, and, 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 and if you want to know which religion is the religion of God, uh, number one, uh, all the enemies of God. Uh, the Satanists, <laughs> the you know the Freemasons, all the witches, these, you know, the witches, yeah, Wicca, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's let's look at this past pandemic. Uh, which churches were being attacked? Yes, uh, <laughs> you can go on and on with this. You know, it's 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 obvious that the you know uh, what the Catholic Church is in this world, and that it will you know uh, suffer as as our Lord suffered, because we are the mystical body of Christ. Yes, the Catholic Church is a stone of stumbling. 
to the secular world. Hey, Paul, the next segment, we're going to talk about an inspirational story about a great saint from Mexico. Oh, uh, yeah. Jose Luis del Rio. Uh, very inspirational story. We'll probably take two segments doing that. But you're listening yeah. to Jesus 911. Two-man car. I'm here in Hobbs, New Mexico, uh, speaking all week at a St. Helena Parish. Every night the church is packed. It's a beautiful thing to see nice. that. But uh, again, uh, we'll be continuing talking about uh, 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 this uh, incredible Mexican saint in the next two segments. Uh, the, only, the last thing I'll say is this, food for thought. Every time Mary has appeared somewhere around the world in an apparition, approved apparition, she always appears with a veil. Think about yes. that, ladies. All right, we'll be back. <laughs> Jesus 911. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. Two-man car. Just Romero Paul Clay. Are we going to break? To Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888 526 2151. Viva Cristo Rey, long live Christ the King. America, the United States, is going the way of Mexico a hundred years ago. What happened in Mexico is a template for what's happening to the United States today. And especially the Catholic Church, we have to brace ourselves, put on your seatbelts, because we're in for Mr. Toad's wild ride. Socialism and communism is coming into this country on the fast track. So we want to share a story with you about St. Jose Luis Sanchez del Rio. He was the hero for Christ the King. He experienced 100 years ago what we're starting to experience here in America today. Yep. So. Saint Jose Luis Sanchez del Rio, this one young saint, our young saint, he lived in tumultuous times. The socialist government of Mexico was waging a bloody war against the Catholic Church and fervent Catholics known as the Cristeros rose up to defend Christ the King. Their heroic resistance was called La Cristiada that began in 1926. So let me give you a little background, then I'll flip, flip it over to Paul. The Mexican Constitution of 1917, which I've read several times, it's socialist at its core. It sparked this terrible conflict. It put the Catholic Church under the strict control of the state. It regulated Catholic preaching, allotted a fixed number of priests per state, dictated mass attendance, baptisms, weddings, the sacraments, and tithing. Even the ringing of church bells was hampered and prelates caught disobeying these unjust laws. They were exiled or killed. Some of this happened, by the way, during the COVID for two years. We saw some of this happening here in America. The president at the time, Venustiano Carranza, did not immediately enforce the anti-Catholic laws, but he showed temporary tolerance. However, when Plutarco Cae, Elias Calles, took power in 1920, 
the new Mexican president, the new constitution was brutally enforced. Gaius, President Gaius sent more than 200 priests into exile, along with a number of archbishops and bishops. The worst persecution was unleashed by the iniquitous, uh, iniquitous lay Gaius, in other words, the, the President Gaius Law of July 31st, 1926. It prohibited the practice of the Catholic religion in public. All education was removed from the care of the church and put under direct state control. Religious vows were illegal. Monasteries and convents were dissolved and religious could no longer use their habits. Church property was confiscated. Moreover, it was illegal for anyone, especially priests, to speak out against the government or the Constitution. Priests wishing to exercise their ministry had to ask the state for permission. Frequently, sounds to me like religious exemption that Catholics had to uh, procure for two years under the uh, COVID-19 scandemic. So it says, frequently this permission was not granted. Finally, those who do not obey these immoral laws were fined or imprisoned. A serious or repeated offense often meant execution. Paul, you want to pick it up from there? Yes, this is, uh, this is where it gets good. In this turmoil, God rose up a strong reaction, the Cristeros. Among these Catholics, we find the heroic figure, Jose Sanchez del Rio. The young saint was born on March 28, 1913 in San Mario, Michoacan. Is that where you're from, Jess, Michoacan? My, your people? My, my parents. My parents are from there, yeah. 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 His parents. Yeah, the, my parents are from the city next to Sawayo. There's Sawayo, yes. then you got Sawayo. then you got Curandiro. Okay. My parents gotcha. were from Curandiro, so they would go to Sawayo up. They'd have a lot of family there as well. Okay. So uh Macario Sanchez Sanchez and Maria del Rio Arteaga had three older sons, two of whom joined the Cristeros. Jose witnessed the horrible persecution of the church and five brothers decided to join the Cristiana movement. He was so young, however, that his parents were reluctant. After much pleading and a visit to a Cristero officer, Don Marchiaro and Dona Maria gave Jose their parental blessing. Jose was overjoyed, but also aware of suffering, of the suffering he would endure. Before departing, he declared, for Jesus Christ, I will do everything. Jose and his friend Trinidad Flores set off to a Cristero camp. After a long journey, they presented themselves to the officer in charge and were given tasks. Carry, carry water, prepare the fire, serve food and coffee, and wash dishes, feed the horses, and clean rifles. Jose enthusiastically did the chores, and the soldiers quickly became fond of him. He fervently attended daily mass and prayed the rosary with the soldiers every evening. Jose learned how to, pl how to play the bugle for battle and was put under the care of General Luis uh, Guisar Morfin, who was with the intention of protecting the lad, uh, uh, gave him the duty of standard bearer. 
So Let's he went from about- dishwasher to standard bearer <laughs> quickly. <laughs> he, Paul, he ranked up quickly. Yes, he did. Go ahead, just pick so it up. How, so how did how did he save the general? How did Jose Luis save the general? Yeah. Outnumbered and outgunned, the Criseros used general guerrilla guerrilla tactics over pitched battles. On February 6, 1928, the Criseros ambushed the enemy between Cotija and Jiquilpan. When the order was given to retreat, federal machine gun fire opened up on their positions, ripping through the rocks that gave the Criseros cover. Jose saw the general's horse drop dead beneath him, although the general himself was not seriously injured. Jose jumped over, jumped off of his own horse, and urged him to take it. He, he said, General, here's my horse. The general replied, replied, Run, boy, run, go. But Jose insisted, I am young, and you are more important than me. Viva Cristo Rey. Whoa. Overtaken by the boy's sacrifice, the general accepted the horse and fled. Jose, refusing to run, stayed behind to provide covering fire for his fellow Cristeros, but he soon ran out of ammunition and was captured by the Federals, or the Federales. They pushed, hit, kicked, and insulted him while uttering foul blasphemies. Another young boy, Lorenzo El Escuridizo, was captured as well. Their execution was interrupted by a federal general who asked the two boys to join the anti-Catholic side. Jose answered without hesitation. You have captured me because I ran out of ammo, but I have not given up. Surprised by the answer, the general threw Jose and Lorenzo into prison at Cotija. Well, mm. you know, Jess, what, so far I'm, I'm just amazed. Uh, you know, once again, you see the enemy try to, you know, the best way to discredit the whole movement and the faith is to say, we'll get this guy to be a traitor. We'll bring him over. We'll mm. display him as, you know, uh, you know, this, it's not that serious, but uh, this, th- this kid was uh, no doubt uh, inspired and um, empowered by God's Holy Spirit. Amen. Um in his prison cell, Jose remembered the advice of his dear mother. Have complete confidence in the mother of God, Our Lady of Guadalupe. As the early morning sun shone through the tiny window in Jose's cell, he wrote a letter to his mother, dated February 6, 1928. Dear mother, I was made a prisoner in battle today. I think I will die soon, but I do not care, mother. Resign yourself to the will of God. I will die happy because I die on the side of our God. Do not worry about my death, which would mortify me. Tell my brothers to follow the example that their youngest brother leaves them and do the will of God. Have courage and send me your blessing along with my fathers. Send my regards to everyone. Last time and finally receive part of your son who loves you much and who wanted to see you before dying. Jose Sanchez del Rio. <laughs> wow. I brought On tears February's... to my eyes, Paul. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie. I'm, oh, teared, yeah. I'm teared up right now. Just, yep. I, I, just, I can't read that without tearing up. Yes. On February 7th, Jose and Lorenzo were transferred from the prison in Cotija to the Catholic Church in Sahuayo. 
where Jose was baptized, which had been turned into a stable for animals by the impious Federals. Horse manure, military supplies, empty beer bottles, and food, uh, food scraps covered the floor. Soldiers vandalized the altar, using its wood to start a fire. The church, once beautiful, was now disfigured beyond recognition. News of Jose's imprisonment spread rapidly. Attempts were made to obtain his release, but the soldiers refused to let him go. Jose's godfather, Rafael Picasso, a local political boss in Sahuayo, visited him. This man, however, was a federal sympathizer, and he slyly attempted to convince Jose to attend military school and become an officer in the federal army. Jose was shocked by the proposal and replied, I'd rather die first. I will not go with those monkeys, never with those persecutors of the church. If you let me go tomorrow, I'll return to the Cristeros. Viva Cristo Rey. <laughs> Viva la Virgen de Guadalupe. This, this kid is something. <laughs> go ahead, just pick it up. You're, you're listening to Jesus 911. We're talking about the story of Jose Luis del Rio. Uh, what an incredible, incredible role model for us. And we're going to continue on the on the fourth segment talking about the zeal for the house of God that Jose yeah. displayed. And yeah. uh, if this if this if this if this story doesn't get your doesn't uh, set you on fire for the faith, then your wood must be wet. I'm mm. telling you because this story is inspirational. You're listening to Jesus 911. Uh, two-man car talking about Jose Luis del Rio de Brasil, Michoacán. Stick around, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back to any of this inspirational story. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus, 911, two-man car. Uh, my sister-in-law, uh, Maria Romero, married to my brother Johnny, she grew up in Sawayo, Michoacan. She has a piece of property in Sawayo, Michoacan. And my brother Johnny's mother-in-law, uh, she uh, she was buried in the same, or she is buried in the same cemetery where Jose Luis Sanchez del Rio was murdered. So my mm. brother Johnny has ties to Sawayo, Michoacan. We continue on the article. Uh, we're not going to get to all of it. Because it's long and you should read it. It's worth reading. But I want to get to the section where it says, Viva Cristo Rey and following. So on February 10th, this politician Picasso who was trying to convince Jose to become a federale. He made up his mind to execute his godson. The order to kill Jose Sanchez del Rio was issued at 6 o'clock and the execution was scheduled for 8.30. Jose was allowed to write a final letter to his family, which he did. 30 minutes before the execution, Jose's aunt, Magdalena, brought him dinner. At her request, a priest hid the Blessed Sacrament in the food package, and Jose secretly received Holy Communion for the last time. <laughs> That's a straight ticket to heaven, Paul. Mm -hmm. Then Jose bid his aunt farewell. We will see each other in heaven soon. Jose was about to cry, but he choked back his tears because he didn't want to weep in front of a woman. Take care of my mother. Tell her not to rush to see me as I will already have as I will have already won heaven. See, he understood that martyrdom mm -hmm. for Jesus bypasses purgatory and you you are perfected 
at that moment and you enter into the kingdom of God immediately. Mm-hmm. Finally, the time for the execution arrived. The, 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 his uncle, Picasso, this corrupt politician, wanted the execution to be done quietly without a formal firing squad. Instead, the federales cut the soles of Jose's feet with a knife. They brutally beat him over and over, but with each cut and each savage blow, he shouted, Viva Cristo Rey. Paul? Wow. Uh, this reminds me of the uh, the crucifixion of our Lord, you know? Uh, exactly, exactly. The brutality of it. Um, the guards made Jose walk 10 blocks barefoot and bleeding along a rocky path in the cemetery where he would be buried. Along the way, the soldiers screamed blasphemies and satanic hatred, praising the godless government, trying to pressure the boy to deny his faith. You better learn your lesson. We will kill you. What a proud and arrogant boy, they said. Jose's only response was, Viva and Viva la, la, la Virgen de Guadalupe. Already at the cemetery, Jose asked, where is my plot? As he did not want any of the troops to touch him. One of the soldiers suddenly swung his rifle around, breaking Jose's jaw with the butt. Without hesitation, the soldiers furiously stabbed him in the neck, chest, and back with knives. At every stab, Jose proclaimed the name of Christ the King. At the top of his lungs, Viva Cristo Rey! Jose was dying slowly, but he still mustered enough energy to defy the soldiers, saying, You have done a lot to me, but God still allows me to continue. But when I can speak no longer, if I wiggle my feet, that means Viva Cristo Rey <laughs> and, the Virgin, and the Virgin of Guadalupe. A federal officer approached the dying and bleeding boy on the ground and asked in a sarcastic tone, what should we tell your father? Jose answered, that we will see each other in heaven. Viva Cristo Rey and the Virgin of Guadalupe. Uh, overtaking by taken by anger, the officer grabbed his gun and shot Jose behind the ear. Jose Sanchez del Rio won the crown of martyrdom. The Federals tossed the boy's body into the grave, shoveled some dirt over it, and left. Jose Gomez, the undertaker, waited for the Federals to leave and immediately closed the gates of the cemetery. He ran to the house of Father Ignacio Sanchez, Jose's uncle, and asked the priest to give the, to give the martyr a Christian burial. Jose and the priest hurried back to the cemetery. They took Jose's mangled body out of the grave and wrapped it in a blanket while the priest prayed the prayers for the dead. Soon everyone knew about the boy martyr. People started to pray to him. His heroic life became a model across Mexico. The body of the martyr was buried in the same cemetery until 1945 after Father Miguel Serrato repaired the local church of the Sacred Heart. Blessed Jose's remains, Blessed Jose's remains were transferred to its shrine where other Cristero martyrs are, in, are interned. Finally, in 1996, his remains were moved to the parish church where he was held captive. His relics are kept in a wooden coffin in the baptistry, the same place where he was held captive. He was beatified June 22, 2004, 
and on October 16, 2016, was canonized a saint. Let us imitate the virtues of this young saint, fortitude, valor, faith, holy audacity, hope, and charity. Let us pray for the grace to have the same enthusiasm to, to defend the law and the rights of God under attack today and endure all hardships for the greater glory of God and Holy Mother Church. Viva Cristo Rey. St. Jose Sanchez del Rio, pray for us. Us. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, Paul, it, there was a there was a, a song that was sung by the Cristeros. It's in the article. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's in Spanish, but the English translation goes like this. They would sing this in the battlefields against the Federales. They would say, the Virgin Mary is our protector and defender. When there is no fear, she will vanquish all demons at the cry of long live Christ the King. They would pray, soldiers of Christ, let's follow the flag. For the cross points to the army of God. Let's follow the flag at the cry of long live Christ the King. See, wow. Jose, Jose Sanchez and the Cristeros, the 5,000 Cristeros, was also comprised of women. Well, what happened is the Cristeros were fighting against the Federales to protect the, the Catholic faith, uh, defend the religious liberty, and the women would take them the ammunition. Women in that day, that back then, they all wore dresses. They didn't wear pants or, or, or shorts. Or, they all wore long dresses. So the women would strap on the ammunition around their thighs, around their calves. They would tape it around. And they would walk. The Federales uh, had no idea they were carrying ammunition out to the fields to their husbands, to their fathers, to their sons, to the men. And so mm. the women were as much a part of the Cristero uh, revolt against the, this wicked government. Now, who's the one that funded this war? I know this because I read this years ago. Father Benedict Rochelle, one of the great Franciscan priests here in the United States, rest in peace, passed away many, several years ago but one of the great theologians and historians of Catholicism, he wrote a book, and I've, I've also had personal conversations with him. And in his book, he says that it was the American Freemasons that funded Mexican Freemasons to attack the Catholic Church in the 1920s. Uh, hmm. That the president of Mexico at the time, Elias Plutarco Calles, was a Mexican Freemason. The war was funded by the American Freemasons. Yes. It was it was a back, a backhanded, backward deal to try to stamp out Catholicism from Mexico because so many Catholics yes. come from Mexico and they impact the United States, especially the Southwest. And so the American Freemasons wanted to stop the infiltration of Catholics into the Southwest from Mexico and from Latin and South America. So they wanted to destroy Catholicism right at its roots. Yeah. Also, something you know, very. Yeah, go ahead, Paul. Yeah, no, I was just going to comment, Jess, uh, that, that, that that's a, a good point to make. But a lot of people think like, oh, yeah, but that will never happen here in the United States because we have the Constitution. We have the Constitution. But you know, if you're paying any attention, you know, and, and you understand how, like, for instance, how the European Union works is that all uh, sovereign countries essentially are subordinate to the larger union and so um as we move more toward a you know one world order or a new world order or one world government 
Uh, we already see, uh, hear about stories about how Joe Biden is surrendering our uh, our rights yep. to the World Health Organization, so that when they uh, allow something, um, we have to submit to what they say and not what our politicians or our constitution dictates. Go ahead, Jess. Yeah, that's exactly it. The reason we shared this story, myself, Paul, and us today, there's something, uh, there's a parallel experience, as Scott Hahn says, history do, history rhymes, okay? In other words, yep. in other words, things that happened in the past will happen again, just with different characters, different countries, and different dates, but it rhymes, yep. the same pattern of sin, mm -hmm. and the consequence of sin occurs. What's happening right yes. now in the United States our, our, our Elias Plutarco Caius is Joe Biden. And the Federales are basically the woke law enforcement in many, not all of them, but many departments that are woke, starting from the FBI. That's the Federales right there. Mm -hmm. Federal Bureau of Investigation. Look at what they did to Mark Houck. If they could have done to him what they, what they did to Jose Luis, they would have done it. Okay? So we're seeing the beginnings of what happened in Mexico in the 1920s is starting to happen right now with the Biden regime. Notice I didn't say administration, okay? I, I, administrations are for presidents that didn't mm. steal elections. I'm calling it the regime because that's what you call somebody under a dictatorship like Stalin, Pol Pot, Ho Chi Minh, and Hitler. Paul, take it away. Yes, uh, Jess. So, you know, again, and I'm going to connect the dots back to our church. And again, as I spoke about earlier, the doctrine of Balaam, uh, the enemy is working overtime in order to corrupt our church. This is why they want to suppress and get rid of Latin mass. The Latin mass is the greatest prayer that can be prayed on, human, uh, on planet Earth by any human. And to suppress that, uh, you know, is, is, is one way that the enemy uh, will weaken uh, the restraining force and basically pave the way and allow the Antichrist to come in. Now, I know a lot of people say, well, you know, that's a, that's a huge statement. But guess what? Ask yourself a question. Why are they so focused on the Latin Mass right now? What's the big deal about that? If people want to go to the Mass in Latin, it's because anything holy they do corrupt that's right awesome hey let let that battle cry be burned in your heart viva cristo rey long live christ the king that's a wrap the uh jesus 911 paul and jess uh thank you very much for tuning in we'll see you next time same christ time same christ channel god bless you keep the